Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor John Lindell. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. I was reading the, this morning in my devotional time, I came across Psalm 144. It's really the cry of my heart. When I read it, I was like, wow, open the heavens, Lord, and come down. It's a prayer in my heart. God, open your heavens over every single campus, everybody watching online, come down, come down on me, open your heavens over my life in a powerful way. Watch this, touch the mountains so they will billow smoke. Reminded me immediately of Isaiah chapter 64, all that you would burst from the heavens and come down. That you would come down, that you would visit us. And in a very real sense, Jesus' baptism was a fulfillment of that prophecy in Isaiah. Because we read this in Mark chapter 1 and verse 9. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. It was an open heaven over Jesus. As Jesus underwent a baptism of repentance when he had no sin. Why is he doing that? Because he's the intercessor who stands in our place and pleads our case as though it were his own. So for in that moment, Jesus is baptized in water in a baptism of repentance on our behalf. And when he did that, the heavens are opened. We have a tendency to think of like this gentle pulling back of the heavens, but the word that's used there in the Greek is not that idea at all. They were ripped, they were torn, they were split. It was a violent tearing open of the heavens. That word is used at the death of Jesus. Matthew uses it in Matthew 27 and verse 50. Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was ripped. It was torn from the top down. God opening the way into the Holy of Holies. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. This violent breaking of the rocks is the word used of the heavens being torn open. In Mark chapter 1, verse 10, he saw the heavens opening and the Spirit descending. This is his second baptism. There are two baptisms happening in that moment. There is the baptism in water, and there is the baptism with the Holy Spirit in that moment, filling him and empowering him. We know that because Luke chapter 4 and verse 1 says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit. So from this point on now, he's led, he's driven, he's directed by the Spirit in a way that empowers him for the ministry that God has given him. This is what happens when the heavens are opened. The Spirit of God comes down. Comes down, touches us, empowers us, changes us, moves us forward. It's important for us to realize that. That, that this is God's design for you, not just for preachers. It's God's design for you, like the one who went in the Walmart and prayed for somebody and, and in that moment released kingdom power into their life. That's God's design. That's God's plan. If we don't understand that, then we become content with merely being saved. 
rather than living in life that impacts people with the power of God. So in the next few moments, I wanna talk to you just briefly about what it means to live under an open heaven, how we live under an open heaven. First of all, an open heaven requires you and I to change our thinking requires us to rethink some things. As soon as Jesus starts his ministry, he's preaching, and what is he preaching? From that time on, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repentance is where Jesus began his work. It's the message he preached. The word in the Greek literally means to think differently, to reconsider. It has less to do with saying we're sorry and more to do with changing how you and I think about things. In the context of Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17, Jesus is calling people to think differently about the kingdom of heaven. He was saying, you need to change how you think about it. It's not for after you die, it's for while you live. It's not later, it's now. God has visited you. God has come among, among you. There is a now aspect to the kingdom. And how did the kingdom manifest itself? Well, we read this in Matthew 4, 23. He went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Remember in Acts chapter one, Luke says, I'm writing you about all that Jesus said and all that he did. He preached the kingdom and he healed the sick. He wants us to have that same kind of approach to ministry. Paul says, when he comes to the Corinthians, he says, I didn't come to you with wise and, and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of power. He said, the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 is not a matter of talk, it's a matter of power. For some, you have to think differently about the kingdom. You thought it was just a matter of getting saved and then sitting back till you went to heaven. Not so. To give your heart to Jesus, to begin to walk with him, is to be introduced to a whole new way of life, a supernatural kind of living where he empowers you to do what you could never do on your own. Listen, you haven't had a good day when you've only done what your talent can do. You've had a good day when you've done the impossible through the power of God in the lives of people. Then it's been an amazing day. An open heaven requires a change in our thinking. Second, an open heaven happens when the Spirit of God descends on us. Look at it in Mark chapter one and verse 10. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens opening and the Spirit descending. Following that moment, Jesus, of course, is tempted for 40 days in the wilderness. And then from then on, he's preaching, he's healing, he's casting out demons, he's performing miracles, he's raising the dead. In Acts chapter 10, we have an idea, uh, again, a reminder, I think, beautifully placed in the book of Acts, lest we forget that what the apostles are doing and the power by which they are doing it is the very power which Jesus accessed. Look at it. And you know, this is Peter preaching at Cornelius' house. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth 
with the Holy Spirit and power. I want you to notice the two go together. Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power. Then he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. He was anointed, then he went around doing good. You say, well, if Jesus is God, why did he need to be anointed or filled with the Holy Spirit? And the answer is simple, because when he came to earth, he didn't become a less than God, but he willingly set aside the prerogatives, the privileges of deity. In fact, Philippians puts it this way. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. In other words, he, he was God. He was equal to God, but he didn't say, I can't do without the expression of that in my life on earth. I'm going to need that. 100% God. 100% deity wrapped in 100% humanity, a mystery. But so convincing was the cloak of humanity that they really thought he was a man. He got tired. He got hungry. He wept. He knew what it was. Hebrews says, tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin perfectly serving God. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Back to Acts 10, 38. God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and power, and then he went out. Here's what's interesting to me. When I read that, I think of what he said in Acts 1, 5. He said to the disciples, but wait! Don't go anywhere. Wait. Don't start your ministry on your own. Wait. You need power. And then he says in Acts 1-8, those great words, you'll receive power. And we've seen in the book of Acts, 10 times that word's there. Two times it has to do with speaking boldly. 10 times it, it's miracles, it's miraculous power, it's, it's supernatural power, it's mighty power, it's God's power put on us, through us, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, we're not saved to be spectators. We're created to be born again and filled with the Spirit that we might demonstrate God's kingdom power so that through us, God's power might touch and deliver people around us that they might see him in us, right? Third, an open heaven requires a sensitivity to the Spirit. So on the one hand, there's the coming of the Spirit upon our lives which is power. But on the other hand, there's the responsibility that we have to, in the words of Paul in Galatians, keep in step with the Spirit, to steward the Spirit of God on our life. If you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, you have to steward that. You have to be careful how you, listen, the Holy Spirit, you don't want to offend him. You want to value his presence. And the more you and I value his presence and the more sensitively we walk to his presence, the more we'll experience of his working in our life. That's just true, 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 true. Yeah. 
John chapter 1, verse 32. John, this is John the baptizer, bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. John likens the descent of the Spirit of God. It doesn't say the Spirit of God was a dove. It says he came down like a dove and remained on him. I mean, a dove is typically skittish. A dove can be easily startled. But Jesus moved and maneuvered in a way that didn't interrupt the presence of the Lord on his life. I mean, if you had a dove sitting on your shoulder, how would you move? You know, if I took this napkin and I made it like this is the dove, I'm gonna move, suddenly I'm gonna move much more carefully. I'm gonna move much more sensitively. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be aware of that on my shoulder and I'm gonna wanna move, see, because if I get to not paying attention, if I'm not careful, then I can find myself. Good illustration, huh? <laughs> Listen, it means I walk through life with an awareness of the presence of the Lord on my life so that I make the movements I make to protect, to preserve, and to fellowship with one of the greatest gifts any of us can receive outside of salvation, and that's the, the gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Two things Paul tells us to do relative to our, our interaction with the Spirit of God. In Ephesians chapter four, he says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, and then in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, he says, and do not quench the Spirit. Grieving has to do with purity. Quenching has to do with power. In other words, we're to walk in purity and we're to walk in power. Listen, as, as we're talking about the Holy Spirit coming down, one very significant aspect of that is purity in our life. It's going to be very hard to function in the power of God if there's not purity in your life. There may be people who do it for a time, but they won't do it for long. And grace that doesn't lead to holiness isn't really grace at all. At the same time, let me just say this, Christians shouldn't be just nice people. They should be powerful people. People at times will get into this argument, well, well, you take power, I'll take character. What gave you the right to choose? I, I think we're best served to think of power and, and purity as the legs we stand on. And I'd like to have both of my legs be the same length if I can. 
I think it's a false choice to try to position yourself and say, well, I'll take the character. I'm not, I know I don't have the power in my life. You're missing something substantial. You're hopping around on one leg. What's your relationship with the Holy Spirit like? An open heaven is a 24-hour access and encounter with God. And as a believer, what happens as, as we're more and more as we're walking sensitively to the Spirit, we begin to realize, man, I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. I don't want to do things. I don't want to allow things. I don't want to, I don't want to have things in my life that, that work against, that make Him uncomfortable with me. And I don't ever want to miss out. For some, then, the, the other issue is I don't want to quench the Spirit. The Spirit wants, He wants to come on you. Jesus, the, the apostles, they, Jesus was said, said, don't go anywhere. You, you need to wait till you get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I realize our fast starts Sunday. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk a little bit about how you can do that and how you can anticipate the goodness of God. But part of it is don't quench the Spirit. Don't, don't turn off the Spirit. Don't say, well, I don't think that's for me. You're quenching the Spirit. Well, I don't think he's, I don't think he's going to do that. What? Stop. You're quenching the Spirit. I think we have to be careful that we, we operate in purity and we open ourselves to his power in our life that we might operate in it. And as we learn to give place to the Holy Spirit, and then we won't be trying to get his attention because we'll be walking so close to him that as he leads us, we will have the insight, the intuition, and the power as he leads us to confront the impossibilities people face or that we face in our own life from a standpoint of, of the power of the Lord. What I'd like to do right now is, is I, I realize there are some people and, and you know, you're gonna need to give some thought to this purity issue. We're talking about, we're talking about the praying the presence of the Lord down on the whole church. I believe prophetically God has called us to pray for everybody to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I realize that's as ridiculous a prayer as you can possibly make, but I, I, I just love it because he's a God who answers ridiculous, bold, audacious prayers that are in accordance with his will. God's will is for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But as the Spirit draws close, then purity's gotta be taken into account. To that end, I would suggest that what needs to happen is you need to, you need to evaluate your heart. You need to say, search me, O oh God. Try me, test me, see if there's anything in me that offends you, anything that's keeping me from getting close to you, anything that, that would cause the dove to fly. And that means you let go of some things because you say nothing's more important than being filled with the Holy Spirit. You say, well, I know so-and-so. Listen, when you start looking at other people, then your eyes aren't on Jesus and your eyes aren't on the Word. Your eyes are on a, a comparison or a competition and you lose. So the answer isn't what somebody else did. The answer is what did the Bible say? And the answer is what is God promising you and what is God speaking to you? And don't measure yourself by others. Measure yourself by the Word of God.